Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast about filmmaking, a podcast about films by film lovers for film lovers. Each week we pick a film, we talk about it, we discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, we end the show with our recommendations for further watching, further reading, as you will, movies that are inspired by this week's movie. But we always start our show with what else we've been watching, the other films, other TV shows, other books, anything else we've been doing in the last two weeks that uh, you want to talk about. So Sam, what else have you been caught up with? Don't usually bring films to... So this and this week is no exception. I'm just going to talk about another sort of box set that we're, we're watching, a TV series that we're watching. Um, and it's the latest series of the frankly gripping SAS Who Dares Wins. I mean... It, at times, it's a study in how many times people can use the word fuck in one sentence. Um, but it, it does does have lots of... It, there are lots of interesting things about mental health and um, people's motivations behind doing things like this. And it goes into the backstories of the sort of coach figures involved. And, yeah, it's well worth watching and it's entirely ridiculous and... I don't want to watch anything serious when I come home from work. So that's what I'm watching this week. How about you? That's Ant Middleton, isn't it? It is, yes. I watched a show of his where he took some people into mountains to build vehicles. Yeah, it seems like it seems it seems like he doesn't like his wife at all because he does so much TV. Yeah. I, as always, have been watching movies, lots of movies. Um, so I'm going to talk about one that I caught up with. I'm trying to catch up on films I've missed in the last sort of uh, four or five years. Um, and so I've caught up with the 2015 film, The Final Girls. Now, anyone who knows a lot about horror movies knows that The Final Girl is a, a regular trope from that genre, the last girl who survives and stands up to the um, the killer. And this is a, nine, a take on, a meta take on that, I suppose, in which four modern day teenagers, one of which whose mum was a screen keen, screen queen from the 80s, get sucked magically back into one of those movies and have to exist in the world of an 80s slasher movie. Knowing all the rules, knowing all the tropes, and how they use those to their advantage to try and survive. It's very funny, it's very knowing. If you go into it having known a lot about slasher movies, then you're going to get a lot out of it because um, it does play and it knows all those tropes. So if you like that kind of 80s slasher, you've watched a lot of horror films, it's great. If you haven't, it's still a really good fun romp. It's a good fun slasher movie. Um, so yeah, it's uh, available everywhere, I suppose. Um, but 2015's The Final Girls. This week, we are continuing our... Um decade look at martial arts films and we've gone to the first talkie in our series it's 1943's Sugata Sanchero
We didn't cover this in our Kira Kurosawa season, but this is his debut film, either Sugata Sanchiro or Sanchiro Sugata, depending on your um, the, the place that you found this film. Starring Denjiro Kochi and Zasuma Fujita, this is a tale about the progress of a young judo disciple, and it's based on a novel which was in turn based on the true story of Shiro Saigo, one of two important early figures in judo, and they were the first two to reach the eighth dan, and the other was Tsuneo Tomita, who wrote the novel. Um, so this is about this figure, Sugata, who um, progresses through, I suppose, um, various stages of... It's, it's kind of like the um, the death of jiu-jitsu, the, the supplanting of, of judo in, in the place mm-hmm. of jiu-jitsu, and it's his um, relationship with his teacher and his... Um, his a couple of his opponents and the daughter of one of them is involved and it's a largely biographical about his life. So, Rob, how did you find it? This is a film that I kind of... I went in sort of peaks and troughs over. Um, it is made by Kurosawa, sort of one of the masters of genre, and I think his flourishes and his touch can be seen throughout it. There's some beautiful shots and some really great moments in this movie. Um, and the overall arc of the main character I really kind of got involved with. But it seemed to, at times, really kind of jump in the story. I know this is like a lot of the movies in this age are lost and rebuilt, so I don't know if something's been lost along the way. But it like the, the the editing I felt lacked something. It kind of felt like we kind of went from one situation, suddenly jump, and we're here. And we just kind of jumped with the time. And we missed large parts of what I'd expect from the story. But those are minor quibbles, the minor sort of problems I have with it. On the whole, I found the lead quite engaging in his way. Um I found his romance whilst a little bland, maybe um, I enjoyed her as a character, and I enjoyed certainly all the kind of the bit parts, all, all the teachers and other students, and all the kind of the ephemera that surrounded the main characters. Uh, so yeah, overall, I'm, I'm positive on it. Um, I wasn't not quite as positive as I will have been for the last couple of weeks, um, and I'm certainly not as positive as I am about Akira Kurosawa's later work, which I think obviously is as legendary as it's supposed to be. Um, Sam, what about you? I I'm surprised with that actually. I. Don't know why, but um, I really enjoyed this film. Um, and I'm aware that the past couple of weeks I've been sort of mentally taking a bit of a backseat. I'm not as au fait with silent cinema as perhaps I should be. Um, and I felt on much more secure ground with this. And I felt like I knew what was going on. And I really enjoyed the the shots, the cinematography, um, some of the relationships I thought was really interesting. Uh, the relationship between Sagasa and, and the girl we'll talk about a bit later on. Um, I really enjoyed some of the dialogue and I get what you're saying about some of the jumpiness and I felt maybe that was to do with the cutting of this film that's explained right at the very beginning um so yeah in 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 summary i really like this film and i 
I would put it up there with some of the Kirikurisawas that we watched in the season that we did on his work. I think, I mean, there were certainly elements, but I'd say the last the last fight on, on the hilltop felt very much sort of right in the heart of Akira Kurosawa's styles. Um, mm. I mean, maybe I'm, I say, maybe I'm overly judging it harsh by it's the editing that I'm missing and the bits that I'm missing. Um, because they, the, the stuff that was there was was really good. They say some of the fights were great. Um, some of the uh, sort of the the big scene in which he kind of leaped into the water into the swamp in the middle was very very good. Um, and that that opening, I really 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 enjoyed that first opening fight at the riverside, mm. uh, in which the the master defeats the four other five other um, fighters. So that that was really good. I found some trivia about that, and it was filmed in freezing temperatures and they had to have a crew on hand to take people out of the water and get them back to the hotel to get them checked out and dry as soon as possible mm, I, I can entirely imagine I really like just after that so I, I agree with you, I, I love that scene but just after that with the shoes and he sort of discards his shoes as a sign he's sort of leaving Jiu-Jitsu behind and going with Judo, going with this new master. But there was something, mm-hmm. that that shot of the shoe in various weathers and moving around, it, it felt kind of like the some of the, the more innovative moments in, in something like Kubrick's 2001. I mean, the, the way that I was thinking about the... Bone becoming a space shuffle at the beginning of 2001, mm-hmm. the way that Kubrick sort of plays around with objects. And that felt very... I don't know, it, it just felt like this was Akira Kurosawa. This, this, was, this was something of his calling card. And he was setting out right at the beginning. No, I, I, that that's, is one of the things that I really did enjoy. Um, it felt... They felt the passage, but they both—that stuff I was like missing. The kind of the the sort of the sinews, the connected scenes together. Like that you've got the feeling of this world moving on. Like we're we're sticking with the shoe, but you're seeing that obviously time's passing. The kind of that montage feeling of the time passing in the world, and you come back. Oh, fair enough. Well, we know we've got a big time jump, but we know we've got at least a season because we're going mm. through all the seasons. You've got at least a year in which we're coming back and picking up a, a um, somebody else. Everyone's in a new place, everyone's in new things. And I think there are a few other places where it really could have done with a few more of those to help tie together some of, some of the story jumps. I also think, and I don't know whether this is, this is related to the way the film was cut, but I thought it sort of all happened quite quickly at the end. Mm. Um, the sort of the end of the fight scene between Sugata and um, and Sugimurai and then the sort of nascent relationship with his daughter and then suddenly suddenly you get the antagonist with Higaki and he's he's out on the heath and there's a final battle and then it's done and then there's mm-hmm. a there's scenes sort of leading off the next one. I thought there's like a film's worth of stuff there. They just sort of passed over it and about it did feel front-ended with a lot of exhibition, followed by... Mm. But I think, I mean, that's the other thing I'd say, is we, we talked about it previously when we talked about uh, Jericho last week, is the idea that this, as you say, the, this story is telling a well-known story of a, of a junior art ma- master. 
Mm. So it's how much of this are we coming to it not knowing the context when really there's more context out there? Uh, I think a lot about sort of the, the biopics in the, in the Western sort of world um, and where we go in to watch something like Winston Churchill, a biopic. Like the last you know, quarter is the big speech, is the big moment, but we're there for the builder, but you don't know. And I wonder how much of that is in play here, that the audience it was meant for, the Japanese audience in, in <coughs> back in the uh, in the 40s, they knew where the story of um, Tanshiro was going to end up. They knew where it was going to go. So for them, it's about seeing the pre-stuff, the stuff, that, the, the slow exhibition build-up before mm. he becomes the judo master. That feels like, it, it feels like that ties into what I think this film is about. It seems to be a film about different perspectives and it's about you have Yana and Sagata at the beginning with their perspectives on life and reason against emotion. And then you have different perspectives on fights when Sagata realises that he's not the only one who wants to win. There's that moment mm. where you can sort of see through someone else's eyes. And then you have sort of even different perspectives on the world with the way that the camera moves around. You think, well, this is what this film is about. It's not necessarily about, and we, we've talked about sports movies, not necessarily being about sport before. This is a, a fighting movie that's not really about fighting. It's about mm. that, those shifting perspectives. And I think that's that's kind of where it works. And you do... You do have sort of you do sort of see a lot of it from different people's perspectives, and especially like between him and his master, like you saw the whole him being right and also the master being right, and I really like that idea that that, that Shan Jerry kind of is portrayed as he's seen by other people as this often this idiot pretty early on, and it's about him learning that. Um, and you, you hit on it there a little bit about sports films, like this film feels very much like that in that. It's about someone who has the talent. It's clear. And from early on, they say he's a good fighter. He's very strong. But it's about learning more. It's about learning heart. It's about learning to be a man and all of these sort of things. And where it isn't about actual physical skill set in judo, but what makes him a judo master is, is self-actualization. The, the holistic view of a human being is what makes him a um, the fighter that he becomes. And I think that that's very very sports movie that's very you know in the modern strain of of sort of heroic sports movies about someone who's got like a rocky can always fight but we need to learn more than that and sports dramas and sports films are all about people coming together be more than that this literally this week i watched remember the titans which is a brilliant um, film about uh, integrated high schools in america in the first sort of season in which high school football had integrated teams so you've got these black and white communities come together. And day one, start a movie, everyone can play football. The coach is good, the players are good. It is not a movie about them learning to play football. It's a movie mm. about them learning to play football together. It's about them learning yeah. heart and trust and loyalty and respect. And this is a narrative that I'm, you see in, in, in this you know, 40s judo film, all the way through to modern movies, all the way through to every sports movie, every kind of even if you want to take it further than that, you know, the Avengers, literally Avengers, they all go into Avengers being talented and fast, but they need to learn to be a team. They need to learn trust of each other. 
And it's that classic yeah. arc, that classic narrative that we see over and over again. It's like, it's not about skills. It isn't somebody, it isn't the Martian where he needs to learn technology and learn skills, but he starts as a whole person. That's the, the flip of this. This is that narrative you see where he has the skills, he just needs to learn more, and he needs to learn love, and he needs to learn humility, humanity. Particularly in that scene with Yana at the beginning when, I mean, his teacher's basically saying, you're incredible, you're really strong, you're really good, but you're an idiot. Mm. I mean, that, that, all that skill set is fine, but it's not going to get you anywhere because of this. Yeah. And the film is about him him understanding that. It's about something that is, it's not about just being strong, which hopefully he was. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's that that whole piece. And at the end, obviously he's left the, the dojo. Well, I'm not, no, it's called dojo when it comes to Julie, but the, the, the school, he leaves the school and goes off um, to learn more of that, not to learn better fighting skills, but to learn more of the world. Something I did want to talk about is that relationship with daughter. And I thought that was really interesting because often in, I suppose in, in Western films or in, other films that we've seen, other Kurosawa films, the I mean, it's taken for granted that she is the love interest and that he is smitten with her on first seeing her. And and part of the one of the subplots of the film is about him sort of competing for her mm. love. I thought it was really interesting here the way that Sugata didn't love her, and he says he's speaking to the monk towards the end and. And the monk says, oh, you love her, as if, like, that's what he's expecting. That's why Sagatha must be distracted. And Sagatha says, no, it's mm. not that. And that, that was really pleasing, that there was this whole subplot which could have been about a, a sort of... It's, I mean, it could have been a sort of conventional love story and it wasn't conventional and it may well be and it looks like this is a love story that will develop and it will develop in later mm. parts of the saga but it, I mean it, it was it was nice that it started from a place where he's like well no I don't love her I was just really impressed by her I was impressed by her devotion to her father and she stuck out for that reason No I, I, I think that's I mean Obviously, we talk about something that's basically more sort of polite and austere society that Japan has, that uh, you don't get these outpourings of emotion and love that you do elsewhere. Um, but I think you're right. I think, as I said at the start, I do really like the the variety and the depth to all the bit parts. Mm. I think, especially about the very last, not the, the, the penultimate scene in the movie, which is his master and the other sort of um, teachers sitting around talking. And... All three of them in that scene have distinct personalities, distinct viewpoints, and those come across in the way they look, in the way they act, and the way they speak. And these aren't these aren't you know these aren't core characters. They aren't one of the you know the, the sort of the, the hero or the love interest or the antagonist. These are just supporting characters, and they really flesh them out with certainly depth to them. And they aren't all it's not sycophantic. It's you know, antagonistic and judging, um, but also supportive. And it was really kind of I really enjoyed the way the world felt. Mm. lived in and rich and like one it's a very tiny little thing but when they were having the conversation talking about uh, Hero, in the background there are people clearly emptying a room out they're, they're moving a room um, and you can see these people carrying all this stuff out of this one room 
I don't know what it was for, it was never explained, but it was a really nice little touch that can made this world feel so lived in. And so often when you watch movies, like a, a big scene like that, you know, you're meant to focus on that character. You know, they, 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 they all have these meetings in rooms with no one's around or coffee shops with no one walks in and out. It's just, this film felt lived in in a way I really liked. I did also, in, in terms of that sort of respect, it was really, it was really gratifying to see sort of when there's a, a referee who calls um, his opponent, he calls Mariah Mr. Mariah, and then he doesn't give Sagatha the same respect. And there are mm. people all around who say, no, call him Mr. And you couldn't, I mean, it wasn't obviously Sagatha's fan base who were doing that, or people from the from the Chidokan who were who were calling for that. It was everyone in the room. They were saying, "Well, how dare you treat him like this?" And that felt really, it. It felt like that was the the community that we were being introduced to. Mm, exactly. There's a a real feeling of. A world moving. He obviously Sagittarius is a star apparently, but there's a whole world moving around it outside. Mm. Yeah. But I do want to talk a little bit about some of the visuals um, mm. that the film brings. I think they are really striking and really interesting. I mean, right at the start, like that first, the first fight that they talked about, you talked about earlier about them in the river. Like it's night. It's it's a dark scene, um, and so easily that could have been a daylight shot there's no reason really visual, sort of story wise for it to be at night beyond it looked really good it looked really interesting and same for the very last fight now they're up in this or you know these hills the winds whistling around and blowing these um these leaves and these sort of um reeds everywhere and it looked stunning you know this really nice visuals in which they fall over you they leave this trail of, of reeds behind them. And you end up this weird, like, visual history of the fight moving around them as, as they, um, as they move through these reeds. And I thought those were both really amazingly interesting choices because they serve nothing three wise, but there's no reason for them to be there. In mm. a special, neither these special places or special times. They are just meant to build that visual world and not in terms of making it feel lived in and real, but also make it look beautiful and cinematic. And, I mean, it's obviously a lot of my own prejudice, but often we go into these movies of this area thinking, expecting them to be a bit, not have that kind of world-sweeping visuals that we kind of think about today. Even modern movies, a lot of movies we don't expect to look amazing. You know, things like the MCU I mentioned earlier. None of those films have impressive visuals beyond impressive visual effects. Mm. You know, no, no one's taking a frame of that and hanging it on their wall. Whereas several frames in this movie I'd happily frame but the last stuff it really was beautiful I thought and something else about the way this was shot it, and it, it was it was obvious that Sugasa Sancho was a a powerful judo fighter and yet there was something almost otherworldly about the way he fought like you never really saw the moment of it's not really impact when you throw someone in Jura. Mm. I mean, I did Jura a bit, but I stopped when I was 10, so I know nothing about it. And it is that, that moment when he threw someone was always sort of off camera slightly, and then yes. there'd be a body flying through the air. And there was something, I mean, sort of intriguing about that. And it's, it's kind of similar to those um, aesthetic choices, you say. It's just there to sort of... It, Part of why they're there is to intrigue the viewer 
And it felt like that's what the cinematography of the fight scenes was doing. Mm. It was sort of playing with the viewer. Yeah, I can I can see that. It, it's one of those one of those ones where once again the fights don't actually matter. Um, mm. like the, the, the individual moves don't matter. Like you, you might, like, especially with the fight earlier on, like you're meant to get a feeling of the fight, but this isn't like, a highly technical discussion on how judo works. No, um, and that I think I say that's to its credit because you get the feeling and the the say the intrigue of him being a good fighter without having to get too much into detail of how. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it comes to movies. There is value in in the detail, you know. Something like Creed, where there's real value in the detail of, how, of boxing, and they go in depth into how boxing, how, how the boxing, how he's a good boxer and why he's a boxer. But here they go the other way, and that, I think that works with effect. And cause it's not about it's about because I mean, having like yourself done judo for a little bit as a kid, but then giving it about about the same age I think it did uh, because I, I do very well at it. Um, I gave it up at a similar age. There's a Judo is one of those fights of quick actions, I suppose. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a sort of a pause and then an action and then a hold and a movement and then like it's a very stop start martial art. Um, and here that works because in this fight you get these moments, especially at the end, you get these moments of stillness mm. um, and then a brief flurry of action. And it's not about knowing what the action is; it's about knowing what the outcome is. Exactly. It feels like that's sort of what this film was about. It was so. Uh, Almost like this film was a judo fight with some of the some mm. of the pauses like that, and there were occasionally you, you were talking about um, shots that you'd frame, and you were talking about the last scene, and I was just thinking about one of those fight scenes when you see um, it's the scene between Sugata and Mirai fighting, and there's just a shot with Mirai's body sort of sprawled in one end of the one corner of the canvas yes. and you see it from above that's something beautiful about the way that was framed and it just the action paused and there was sort of a good two or three seconds of of stillness there's something very very beautiful and contemplative about that no i i absolutely agree i think that that's one of those uh that's one of the shots of that i'm talking about is that really nice kind of it's a slowly sliding moment when everything else is it's not paused already the leaves moving around there's a real sense of stillness mm. and slow motion to it i think that was and there that said the the we talked about the, the reeds being knocked over that was that lovely contrast of there's these reeds knocked over that aren't moving at all and the ones that are and it really sort of highlights the difference in those two things exactly yeah so Sam, do you have some recommendations for us? Do you have anything else do you want to tie it off and point towards? I do have a couple. Um my first recommendation is well an actor and director link. It's um the actor playing Sagasa linked up with Kurosawa later on. Um in a film that also starred Toshiro Mifune we saw in Seven Samurai when we did the Kurosawa season is The Hidden Fortress from 1958. Uh, it's a story about a princess and her protectors, and it's told through the eyes of two lesser characters, and for those reasons, George Lucas has said it was an important inspiration for A New Hope. So it's it's an important film. Mm-hmm. Um, and my second one is a lost film, 
and a film with set missing sections like Century Sigato also is from a similar time. It's 1940s Fantasia, uh, which I haven't seen. I saw several times when I was a kid and haven't seen since. But those are my recommendations this week. Hidden Fortress and Fantasia. I've got some very different recommendations, um, but that's great. So we talked a bit about it being a sports film, um, and we talked a bit about it. it it's sort of pedigree as sort of a proto-sports film. So I would be remiss in not recommending the best sports film ever made, uh, the pinnacle of the sports film genre, um, the 1992 Mighty Ducks film. Um, which I know you're all laughing at me about, but seriously, like it is in terms of a sports film, it hits all the beats about you know every coach overcoming the, uh, his history, the team come together as a whole, talented people bringing all their individual talents together to form one one perfect fight at this point skating machine. Um, yes, it's a kids film. Yes, it's played for laughs, but it has all it, it is this peak sports film. You want to see all the tropes that are pulled together in a sports film this is one of the best examples out there also it's brilliant so there's that <laughs> my second one is a slightly more serious recommendation um and it's one that we've actually covered on this show before way back in 2016 over sort of two and a half years ago now episode 47 in our season our first season we talked about the movie called the assassin um which is a uh sort of uh, sort of wushu style um intrigue action movie i suppose um a female assassin is sent on a mission um to to kill and i recall at the time sam not being as keen on the movie as i was but i really did enjoy it and the i keep hanging about some of the shots in this movie the fight the fight scenes and the way they were shot and how the idea that maybe you aren't supposed to see everything or know everything really evoked in me the memory of that movie um, and how some of the fights and some of the scenes were lost in the mists or the rain or the night. And I was just really put in the mind of, of remembering of watching that movie. So if you didn't catch it back two years ago or you weren't following the show back then and you haven't seen The Assassin, I really would heartily recommend it. So Sam wasn't as keen, so your mileage may vary, but I was very keen. Yeah, I, I remember it being one I wasn't particularly keen on, although I can see it would be interesting going back to it, actually, because well, going back to it from my perspective, having seen more um, Japanese and Eastern cinema since then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it would be interesting to revi- interested to revisit it. Excellent. Well, guys, that is our our movie from the forties. Uh, we are moving into the fifties next week. We next next episode in two weeks' time, um, and we'll be looking at the nineteen fifty nine movie Samurai Saga, which is a transplantation of Serrano de Bergerac into into Japan. So, join it along, and we'll check that out in two weeks' time. Till then, guys, you can find us on Twitter at Presti Podcast. You can find just me at life underscore academic. And you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. I'm going to do a quick plug now, guys, um, for my new show. So if you listen to it, feel free to skip on this point. But I have launched a new show on Kaiju FM called Triple Feature. The idea of this show is I get my friends on, I get my co-hosts on, get people who I like on, and they, with me, plan a triple bill of movies, an evening of movies on a theme to be decided by them. If you want to hear me talk, 
talk more about movies um, with other people other than Sam. Um, they will. Sam will be on at some point. Um, come along, and you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Till then, guys. We shall see you guys in two weeks' time. Thank you.